season's gonna end on a double doink. doink, doink, doink. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. That's what you want to know? It's the T.C. Martin Show. Yeah, I don't know. I had an idea. Diagnosis. I had an idea. And then, uh... Prognosis. Yeah, I take the serious. Osmosis. Why, it's funny? It wasn't, it wasn't funny. I wasn't laughing about it. Yeah. It's not funny. It's not fun. Nothing's funny. Don't you ever talk about me. Yeah, I don't know. I had an idea. That's the result you won't get. It's the doctor, T.C. Martin. I don't go out there and laugh. laugh. The doctor is now in. Oh, yeah. Should I go Macho Man to start with? Well, you going Macho Oh, yeah. Terrible Tuesday. I don't know why I'm going there with that, but yeah, because there's no Macho Man. This is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> or I could do my Roddy Roddy Piper if you want me to do that. Could do that, too. Go Sheik. Whatever you want. Go Sheik. Go Sheik. I tell you, Mr. T.C. Martin, that's what I do. You get me Heineken right now. All of you other jabronis. Ha! Poi! Go Warrior. No, I can't do that. I can't. But I'll do this. You. Hey. You. Nice. Yeah. George. George. Michelle. Nice. What more can you say? There you go. I do play requests. For those of you scoring at home, that would be in the proper order. Macho Man Randy Savage, Roddy Roddy Piper, The Iron Cheek, and yes, George the Animal Steel. Go Virgil? <laughs> no, 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 no. No. I, wait a minute. But you sent me the Virgil stuff last week, didn't you? He was live. Oh, my goodness gracious. Uh, where was that from? Some card show? He was. He, they're doing a live virtual signing. Yeah. So he was just taking questions. And tons of fun stuff like that. I love Virgil. I think I told you I saw Virgil at one of the press conferences, the boxing press conferences at the MGM a couple years back. And it was just out of the blue, like, what are you doing here? And same old Virgil. I'm here to get that money. I go, this is boxing. Nobody here wants your autograph, Virgil. So I've- And he was just hanging out, you know, in the press room. And, and he's hustling. I love Virgil. He's always been a hustler. And, uh, yeah. Good guy. So I've watched 15, 20 of those virtual signings. Yeah. And he, by far, was the most dirtiest person <laughs> on one of those. Every MFR, this, this, you know, dude, he was dropping anything and everything. But the clip you sent me, the guy who is doing that and videoing that and his thing, he was leading him into that. No. You know what I'm saying? I mean, Virgil's probably not going to do that. He Unless would, no, he's no. like led into it. So I sent you the whole thing. You just turned in whenever you did. Yeah. And then, you, I, and then it, I turned it off in about it, three and a half minutes. If you would have went in yeah. and watched the beginning, it was the, as soon as he goes, let's, let's make this mother money. Yeah. Well, well, okay. Like instant, so it was instant Virgil, <laughs> but it was, yeah. NWC reunion. Let's go. You want to get Virgil back, don't you? You'd love to have Virgil on. I'd love that. Oh. Have them all sitting in here. That'd we, be great. We could, tell you, we could tell you the whole story about how... Well, you know, the the whole KKK match, you know, came to... You'd like that, wouldn't you? I would love that. Yeah. Hear out all came to fruition. Get Funker on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> Cauliflower Alley. Yeah. When they, when they come. I know. So there we go again. But yeah. The old NWC reunion days. You got to love that. Good stuff. All right. So anyway, terrible Tuesday as we get going here today on the show. 
Marco D'Angelo is going to join us. He'll be in the house. We'll talk a little handicapping baseball next hour. Plus, uh, we've got I got a terrible Tuesday story. You probably know what that's going to be for Marco as well, too. Uh, one of our terrible Tuesday stories. So It's got something to do with ketchup. It's got something to do with, yeah, exactly. We'll just leave it at that. All right, so we got that going. And yes, today, here we go. We're going to go across the pond again. Paul Buck Power Stewart is going to join us from bloody old England. You got to love that. You remember Paul Buck Power Stewart, right? Yeah, there we go. See, people, people remember. And our live studio audience is in the, is in the house here once again. <sighs> Okay, that's stop, stop. Unless you're going to fill your mouth with some Tic Tacs. It's Terrible Tuesday. That's terrible. Things gone wrong in the yeah, sporting quickie. world. That's a terrible idea. I want to know what the hell he's smoking. Something stinks in here. That's terrible. <laughs> it's Terrible Tuesday. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. All right, we get it cracking here today, and we talk a little Major League Baseball. And Kansas City Royals infielder Whit Merrifield is injured. He's got a toe injury. Now, why is this news? Well, because Whit Merrifield actually has the longest continuing playing game streak, or he did. Because not going to be in the lineup tonight, and the streak of 553 games is over. That's right. Whit Merrifield has got the longest consecutive game streak going at 553 games. It's a Kansas City Royals franchise record. He has played in every game since June 24th, 2018. Pretty good, huh? 553? Now, obviously, that doesn't even pale in comparison. To Cal Ripken's record, as we know, right? But where does Whit Merrifield's streak rank in Major League Baseball history at 553 games? What do you think? 25th of all time. That's it. 25th. Cal Ripken, 2,632 games. Lou Gehrig behind him. You remember when Cal Ripken, those of us that are old enough to remember when Ripken was chasing Lou Gehrig for that 2,130, and then Cal went on to just shatter that, playing 26-32 consecutive games that he started. Going down the rest of the list, after Lou Gehrig, you got Everett Scott. All right, Now, Everett Scott goes back to the 20s, so a lot of people obviously are not familiar with him, but he played in 1,307 consecutive games. But you know who's number four in the all-time list? Steve Garvey. Steve Garvey. 1,207. And Garvey did this in seven and a half seasons where he did not miss a game. And that was from 1975 to 1983. But here's the most recent streak. Because, of course, Cal Ripken, you know, we're talking about the 70s and the 80s. You know, Everett Scott going back into the 20s. And Garvey, 75 to 83. You've got to go to the most recent streak. Was Miguel Tejada. 1,152 games, and that puts him fifth all-time, which is pretty good. And that took him from June 2000 to June 2007, so basically seven full years, basically seven seasons, and that is fifth all-time. And we really don't think about Miguel Tejada with that kind of a streak, though. But here's where I'm going with this. 
So now it's Whit Merrifield. 553 games. No one's been talking about this because it's only 553 games. So now that comes to an end, 25th of all time. Do you know what the next longest streak is in Major League Baseball right now? Matt Olson. Matt Olson at 221 games. That is it. I mean, how sick and how disgusting is that? And if you want to go past Matt Olson, you know who the next guy in line is? Trey Turner at 120 games. This is the thing. And for old school guys that love tradition, love that kind of stuff, you're going like, why can't you play every day? And this is the thing. This is where the problem is. The problem is that this streak that we're talking about is never even considered anymore by managers. Back in the day, Cal Ripken, hey, you got a you got a bad ankle, Cal? You got a foot injury? You got a flu-like symptoms or something? Can you go? No, I'm going, I'm going. There was never a doubt that Cal Ripken was going to play because players just played. Going back in those days, you had guys like Billy Williams and Ernie Banks that had over 1,000 games as well, too. But nowadays, the streak is not even mentioned. We talk about hitting for the cycle. We talk home runs. We talk RBIs. But are we talking about consecutive games? No, because players these days know that they're not going to get a chance to, to, to break it. So I'm just wondering what was going through Whit Merrifield's mind while he was racking up you know, 300, 400, 500 consecutive games, 553 consecutive games, and now, boom, the next guy in line is Matt Olson at 221. He used to play for the A's and now plays for the Atlanta Braves. Trey Turner, 100 games behind that at 120. The managers aren't even thinking about streaks. They're thinking about, okay, let's see, four days in a row, off day, this and that. So I'm just wondering how far this is going to go where we've got to, you know, really just, I mean, we haven't really talked about it in the last five, six years or whatever. But this thing is a thing of the past. And Whit Merrifield is probably going to end up at number 25 all time, which isn't great, but no one's even going to come close to this. It's, it's, it's crazy. For, you know, and forget the injuries. Managers are just so consumed with days off. What if you're a player and you say, you know what, I want to attempt to break the streak. No one's going to let you. The front office isn't going to let you. No one is going to let you do this. So just an interesting tidbit that uh, here, here was Whit Merrifield, come, his streak comes to an end, and no one even knew about it of 553 games. Major League Baseball, all-star game is one week from today. Tuesday, Chavez Ravine, Dodger Stadium. The Dodgers are hosting the game for the first time in 42 years. Isn't that kind of mind-boggling? An iconic stadium like Dodger Stadium that you haven't hosted, hosted an All-Star game in 42 years. Now, you may say, Dodgers team is kind of old. It's kind of antiquated. It is true. But we've seen Wrigley Field host an All-Star game in more recent time. Fenway Park. Then Dodger Stadium. You're on the West Coast. It's the Dodgers. It's L.A. Who doesn't want to go out there, right? Kind of strange. So uh, there's a lot of pomp and circumstance with the Dodgers hosting this game for the first time in 42 years. But we've got a problem. There's a major problem that's going on and could happen next Tuesday. And that is that there's going to be a strike. Or there could be a strike with 
the concession workers that work at Dodger Stadium. Oh, yeah. Concession workers have threatened to strike the Unite Here Local 11. That's the name of, of their union group. The Unite Here Local 11, the union that represents these workers, announced that 99% of the employees voted in favor of going on strike, adding that one could occur at any moment. So when do you think that they're going to time out this strike? Do you think it's going to be next Tuesday or maybe a day or two before? Because remember, the All-Star game has a four-day agenda, basically. Four days of festivities. It starts with the Futures game on Saturday. You have got the Home Run Derby on Monday. Then you got the main event, the All-Star game, on Tuesday. Now, Dodger Stadium concession workers are employed by the Chicago-based company Levy Restaurants, who I got a chance to know those guys back in Green Bay because that I, I think I've talked about it before on the show, where that was a big controversial element that Levy was going to come in and operate Lambeau Field and make it all corporate because Lambeau was very, very unique in the sense that the concession groups were all done by nonprofit organizations. They were done by schools, by Boy Scout, uh, uh, all locals, you know, the Moose Lodge. And that was their money that they would raise every year for the eight home games, or actually the 10 home games, if you include the two preseason games with the Packers, and then any postseason games. And then Levy came out and said, you know what? We're taking over. And I, and I was there at the time this all went down. And it was very controversial. So finally, Levy, trying to be the good folks that they are, uh, said, you know what? We will let you continue to operate the stands, but it's going to be our food and this and that. Oh, and by the way, the percentage of that you guys were taking in to support your, you know, your groups and everything, well, yeah, we're going to cap that at 10%. Thanks, fellas. Great job, right? We'll let you continue to operate the stand, which we're not going to pay you to operate the stand because you're volunteering your time. But you're only going to get 10% when you were getting a lot more than that before. Unbelievable. So, yeah, what is going to happen? Now, Dodger Stadium, they employ 1,500 food servers, bartenders, suite attendants, cooks, dishwashers, all at Dodger Stadium. Now, the Unite here Local 11 which represents 32,000-plus hospitality workers in the Southern California, Arizona area. They didn't provide any specifics on what the workers' demands were, saying that it is just seeking to negotiate a fair and new union contract. I don't think they're asking for much here, but I can tell you right now that these employees are more than likely underpaid, and Levy's not having it, and they are going to strike. So who do you side with here? Do you side with... Levy, or do you side with the workers here who are deciding to, to strike? Now, here's the bigger question. How big a deal is this Is is that you want to you know, make of this here? I say it's a major deal because who is going to work these concession stands? Now, if if I'm the strikers, I might not have like let the cat out of the bag. I just might not show up and say, hey, you know, how bad are you guys going to need us here? But they're kind of giving them a little ample opportunity to – to get workers in place here. So it'll be interesting to see how all of this unfolds here. Are they running out now? Is there ads and papers in the LA Times? That's what I want to know. Numchuck, would you like to apply? You'd be a heck of a hot dog vendor, I tell you. I would love it. <laughs> you would love it. I would be eating them all. <laughs> Listen, this is not an easy job to run concessions, and now you're at the all-star game. 
the marquee event, which will be jam-packed. It's not going to be like regular Dodger games where you arrive in the third inning and go home in the seventh inning. All right? No, this is – got a four-day weekend. The Home Run Derby is going to be packed on Monday night. The Futures game is going to have a very good crowd as well, too. you got all the corporate sponsors. you got television. No. I'm, I'm very curious how this thing is going to unfold here. And as far as this being a big deal – Let's go back. Do we remember when Allegiant Stadium opened and we talked about it here? SummerSlam was the event, I believe, right, in the summertime. What happened? It was their first major event, and they went in, and they had the new POS system, the point yep. of sale, and it froze up, Everything right? Everything froze, yeah. Everything froze, and fans were going ballistic. They couldn't order their hot dogs. They couldn't order their nachos. Oh, and heaven forbid, the beer. They couldn't do that. And they had to shut everything down. And that was a travesty. People came under fire there at Allegiant Stadium. as like, oh, is this what it's going to be like the whole time? Well, and that's not a strike. These are, again, 1,500 employees are saying, no, we're not going to show up to work. So, yeah, if Levy's smart, they're going to end this thing in a very timely fashion. But I remember when that thing went down at Allegiant Stadium, that was not pretty. All right. Speaking of stadiums, we have an NFL name change. Oh, my goodness. Numchuck, do we need to do the breaking news here? We have an NFL name change. It is very disturbing. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, my condolences. A moment of silence. Heinz Field is no more. Known as Heinz Field since it opened in 2001, the stadium will now be known as, let me see if I can get this right, Arishur Stadium? Abby and Larry David here. Accusure Stadium? Arishur Stadium? Who in the hell knows what this is? What is Accrisure? Oh, it's an insurance company. They signed a 15-year deal. They didn't announce how much they were paying for the naming rights to the Steelers' home to be the stadium sponsor, but AccuSure, which operates as a top 10 global insurance broker. Hey, if they're top 10, don't you think I've, I've, heard, I've heard of it? Do they have Flo representing them? Huh? No. No. Bring on flow. Bring on progressive. Bring on that ham and egg that likes to take the old people into the movie theater. How about that guy from the old folks' home? Or going in the parking lot of the stadium? Hey, let's don't start talking about leaving the game okay, before it even starts yet. Are going to be expensive. Let's just accept that. Going to the movies can be a lot for young homeowners turning into their parents. Bathrooms. Even if you don't have to go, you should try. We all know where the bathroom is and how to use it. Okay? You know, the Stevensons told me they save money bundling their boat insurance with Progressive. No one knows who those people are. It can be painful. Give me your coats. There's an extra seat in here. No, 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 no. We don't need a coat wrangler. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, <laughs> but we can save you money when you bundle home auto and more with us. No one who made the movies here. So where's their commercials? That's it. And I love that too, by the way. You know, people that applaud in the theater, it's always irritating me. No one that made the movie is there unless you're at a Hollywood premiere. Don't applaud. Who are you applauding to? The screen? Oh, and meanwhile, most of the uh, ushers, they're kicking you out of the theater because they want to go sweep, sweep, sweep. Sweep up the popcorn and these ham and eggers left behind. Clean up your own mess when you go to the movie theater, by the way, too. Oh, and those people sitting in the media section of the Thomas and Mack Center, T-Mobile Arena, clean up your mess of your jujubes and your popcorn and everything else. Coke cans. Coke cans and you, you slobs out there. Anyway, 
Where are we talking about? Hold on. So I have one of their commercials. Do we want to listen to it? You got one? I got one. Oh, let's see how this, uh, yeah. Let's see if I've ever heard it before. Hey, ho, hey, where's Marty by nature? This is their commercial. It's just, what? It's them giving like t-shirts away and stuff. It's a TV commercial. <laughs> Can we get the proper pronunciation? They don't even say it in their own commercial. They don't even say it. They don't even say it. Yeah, that's a heck of a commercial there. Get used to that. So anyway, yes, Heinz Field is no more. Um, Heinz headquartered in Pittsburgh. Initially signed a 20-year deal for the naming rights to Heinz Field for, oh, guess how much that was? $57 million. You know why it was 57, right? Heinz 57. There you go. Heinz 57. Yeah, the 57 player. Now, this one I never never understood because they did say that Heinz 57 is named because it's 57 flavors. Is it Baskin Robbins? I know that the Baskin Robbins 31 flavors of ice cream, but Heinz didn't have 57 thing, uh, you know, flavors of ketchup or barbecue sauce. They got one. But are they trying to say there's 57 ingredients? Maybe that's what they're saying. I don't get it. Anyway, but yeah. Heinz headquartered in Pittsburgh. How can you let this thing get away? And the Rooney family. Now, they're very optimistic that the stadium would keep its name earlier this year, but ultimately, the Kraft Heinz company didn't extend its naming rights. But on Monday, Heinz posted a social media message saying, with a highlight reel, assuring Pittsburgh fans that the partnership would continue. We need ketchup! We need ketchup! Yeah, and I'm okay with ketchup on hamburgers, as you well know. But don't get it anywhere near my french fries. Don't you dare get it anywhere near the hot dogs. But the Heinz 57? Oh, man. I used to, to throw that down on some ribs and some steak. My dad loved that stuff. We had Heinz 57 coming out of the cupboards. Love it back in the day. Do you want to hear the, the correct pronunciation? Yeah, I would. I, you know, I know I butchered it. How to Stadium. Acrisure. Stadium. Acrisure. Thank you, Arnold. I appreciate <laughs> Arnold for contributing to the show. Acrisure? Should I say it like Acrisure? Or should I say it something like No Ho Hank? Should I say No Ho Hank? Crystal Ball and No Ho Hank. Crystal Ball and No Ho Hank. That's a Barry reference. <laughs> oh, my goodness. No more Heinz Field. To be continued with Marco D'Angelo. That'd be your cue. To hit the damn record scratch. There you go. Last night, we're at the NBA Summer League, right? Ran into a lot of people that we got a chance to see. It was great catching up with Michael Cage. He was there. A former supersonic, former Clipper, working with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, Tony Parker was there last night. Scotty Barnes uh, sitting right there as well, too. NBA Summer League. But we saw Chet Holmgren play last night. Not bad, all right? Giddy. Giddy from Australia. 6'6". Phenomenal. Oklahoma City Thunder. Did you say Jiggy? No. Like Maxwell? Giddy. Oh, Giddy. Giddy. Okay. Are you Giddy with it? I'm Giddy with it. All right. Get, 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 giddy all you got. Giddy all you got. Get, 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 giddy all you got. Giddy all you got. I love that. Most people are saying, what the hell is he talking about? Well, last night, you know what the highlight was? It was former NBA player Richard Jefferson. NBA analyst for ESPN. 
wanted to referee a game. Now, here's where Richard Jefferson was going with this. He went to actually said, you know, I got a lot of free time on my hands here off season. I want to referee a game, so on my broadcast, which Richard Jefferson really doesn't do too many games, but he said he just wanted to be able to kind of, from that perspective, that he could talk about it when he's analyzing NBA games. So I think that's kind of cool. I like that. All right. So he got a lot of attention. Ward number 77 out there last night, and they let him referee one quarter of the game, the second quarter. Now, we talked about this on the show yesterday with Matt Hold. And Matt said it kind of messed up a, a lot of stuff here. People wanted to bet on props, and now you don't even have a regular NBA official. So we're going to you know, go through this charade here. So that's what they did. Richard Jefferson gets on the floor, second quarter. About a minute into it, he blows his whistle for the very first time. It's the Knicks against Portland. All right, First time he had a chance to blow his whistle, he blew the call. Ball went out of bounds. He signaled in the direction of Portland basketball. And then you get a couple other whistles, right? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, Richard, uh, kind of blew that call. What? I did? Yeah, Knicks ball. Uh, I thought it went off of uh, the Knicks. No, went off Portland. Okay. Knicks ball. There it is. First call, he blew the call. Crowd booed. Went crazy. It's it to Ross. Ross drives into the paint, throws one up. Can't get anything near the net there. And the Knicks fans are loving it. Now, Richard Jefferson officiating a Knicks game is also fascinating on a number of <laughs> levels as well. All right. And the Knicks fans are giving it to him. As they should. <laughs> Be decisive over there. He's Mr. Net, you know. What are we doing? So the crowd's booing Richard Jefferson in the Thomas and Mack Center last night. Now, here's what Richard Jefferson had to say uh, after the game. He goes, not many people would dare to put themselves in this position. Uh, the more info I have, the more informed I am as a broadcaster. So that's good. So I'm watching this, and the person who overturned the call is a familiar face, a familiar sight. His partner was none other than Cheryl Flores, a.k.a., as I like to call her, Brill Cream, one of the WNBA officials. You see Cheryl, the Pearl, Flores, at, I'd say, every other game at Mandalay Bay doing one of the Aces games. Cheryl's on the floor with Richard Jefferson. So... Is she trying to audition out for the NBA? I don't know what's going on. She didn't have enough on her plate. You know, what's the deal? She was in the All-Star game, and she's refereeing with Richard Jefferson, a.k.a. Brill Cream. Now, I call her Brill Cream because she likes to really break back her hair. And as I'm sitting there at the Michelob Ultra Arena calling the play, there was a fan that was yelling at her for one of her calls. Nice call, Brill Cream! Love it. Mmm, a new neighbor. He looks promising. Nice car. But uh-oh, here's where her good neighbor policy ends. Poor guy. Dry, lifeless hair can take the fun out of your life. But you can put it back with Brill Cream, the sensational hairdressing that's sweeping the country. Watch Brill Cream put life, life, life in dry hair. And there it is. Very nicely done. Richard Jefferson gets corrected by 
Brill Cream. Richard Jefferson, nice attempt. Kind of funny. Thank you for allowing us to make fun of you. There you go. All right. Charles Barkley, we talked about yesterday. Was he going to finish in the top 70? That was the number that was on the betting board. The most popular bet at the American Century Golf Tournament in Lake Tahoe last weekend, which is always a great place to be, great fun, great to watch. And um, But Charles Barkley finished tied for 74th. Of the 88 golfers in the field, he tied for 74th. Do we have any Charles Barkley audio commenting on his performance of finishing 74th? He lost $100,000. Uh, a lot of his friends bet on him. They lost their money as well. Steph Curry... Told everybody, told us all last week. He says, hell no, he's not going to finish in the top 70, and he did not. But there was another side bet, as we talked about yesterday. It was Aaron Rodgers and Charles Barkley. They made a side bet going back to the broadcast of the match that was back here in Las Vegas where Barkley was making fun of Rodgers' man bun, if you remember that. yeah. And the bet was that uh, Barkley, if uh, Barkley would uh, beat Rodgers in Lake Tahoe, that Rogers is going to let him cut off his man bun. Well, Barkley had to put up something, and Rogers said, yeah, "Let's make the bet." And Barkley said, "Okay, I'll put up uh, twenty-five grand going to your favorite charity uh, if you beat me." Well, Aaron Rodgers is looking back and saying, "This is the easiest money that I've ever made—the twenty-five grand." Because Aaron Rodgers finished ninth, Charles Barkley finished seventy-fourth. He finished seventy-five points ahead of Charles Barkley. 75 points. Is that just a foolish bet or what? And remember, Charles Barkley on the betting board to win it all was 7,500 to 1. 7,500 to 1. Couldn't just get in the top 70. Couldn't do that. 74. So this trip probably cost Barkley somewhere in the neighborhood of about probably $200,000. All the money that he lost. And you know he's betting, doing side bets on the holes and all that kind of stuff. Amazing. And people are saying his golf game has really improved. Really? I mean, I guess it was where it has where it was. I don't know. Yeah. There it is, man. There it is, Charles Barkley. All right, Terrible Tuesday takes. You got some? You hit me on Twitter at TCMartin21. All right, we come back. Little money, 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 money. We go across the pond. Paul Buckpower Stewart is going to join us. Wimbledon recap. Football. And maybe some football. And the Open. The British Open, as we're still calling it. All that and more on this terrible Tuesday edition. Stephanie, I'm from Germany. Yip, yeah, yo, Schweinebacke. When I'm in America, I'm listening to TC Martin Show. Oh, yes, it is time. We're not going to Germany. Man, I wish we were going to Germany for a little Bundesliga talk. A little off-season of the Bundesliga. Instead, we've got to uh, go over, what do they call that? That PFL, uh, FPL, what's that Ham and Nager League over there? Premier League? Yeah, something. I don't know why that is. The one and only, Paul Buckpower Stewart joins us 
live from jolly old England. What is going on, my friend? Good afternoon, TC. Good afternoon, Vegas. Yet the home of world sport. The the Open Championship takes place this week. We've just finished the Wimbledon tennis. We are the centre of the universe again, TC. Oh, no. wait a minute. Wait. Okay, listen. I, I can only... Now I see how I got introduced to you. You and TJ Reeves, I, you say the same thing. I got to hear Champa Bay is the center of the universe of all the championships, and now you're telling me that, that England is the center universe of all the championships. See, now I see why you guys hang out together. You have the same vernacular. Hold on, at least he's not saying that you guys were uh, or, or the galactically famous T.C. Martin so. show. Well, he should. T.C. <laughs> What it is, TC, is to say we have these big sporting events. We've had the British Grand Prix. Wimbledon tennis, of course, is one of the four major tournaments. And, of course, everyone stops to watch it. And this week, the world turns its attention to St. Andrews, the 150th Open Championship. And, and yeah, it is. It's so just, you know, these big sporting events just happen to be occurring on this side, on this side of the pond. All right, Paul, let's, uh, let's talk about... A recap of Wimbledon, if we can. Now, uh, give us a little wrap-up. And uh, Novak Djokovic wins again. Uh, Very impressive. But I think the real story here is Nick Kyrgios, right? Nick Kyrgios is the real story here, Paul. I want to know what is in this guy's cereal. I mean, this guy is a lunatic. He's a goofball. I love this guy. And I want to know what British fans... Think of the Greek freak. I mean, this guy really is. Forget Giannis. This guy is the Greek freak. I, or, I totally agree. And I'd like to point well, out. I guess he's from Australia. Weeks, though, I, I, did, <laughs> I did predict Djokovic to win and that the British tennis player Cameron Norrie would be an underdog and he reached the semis. But yeah, the final, it turned into the two bad boys. You've got Djokovic who's refused to get vaccinated and can't come over to play in the US Open and he's banned from the Australian Open for three years. And and Kyrgios is just one of these complete, I I don't know even how to describe him. It's not passion. It's childish mentality. You know, he's just, he, he can't concentrate on the tennis. He gets focused on everything but the tennis and and do you love him or hate him i'm sorry i don't think there is any place in sport for someone like him no i know he's box office i know people like him for me and using a very british phrase he's not my cup of tea (laughs) but do people really like him paul i don't know if they do like him and i think that you know american fans you know again they they like john macaroni they like jimmy connors back in the day because those guys were outspoken but then you have guys like Ely Nastasi and people like that that I don't think a lot of people really cared for because of their tantrums. And as we've seen for the you know better part of the last few decades that you know tennis is a gentleman's sport. So we really don't haven't seen the, these type of eruptions or, or behavior. And when we do see it, they are kind of celebrated. But I'm not sure. You know, and that's why I'm asking you, you know, you're back there three weeks of Wimbledon what did the British fans think about this guy? I think they were tuning in to watch him to see what all the hype fuss was about, and then they went away just disgusted with his behaviour. So, I mean, yeah, I remember really Nastasi. God, that's going back to my youth. I saw him play when I was a very young boy when I went to Wimbledon. Um, John McEnroe having his famous I saw chalk dust tantrums at Wimbledon, you know, back in the early 80s. So, I mean, yes, we all love a pantomime villain. 
which is what you know, Kyrgios and McEnroe and all these other players are. But Kyrgios just went too far. You know, he, he doesn't know when to stop. And I think that's the problem. So I think it's like a novelty act. You you want to watch him once. You realise you just get disgusted by him. And by the end, as I say, Djokovic isn't the most popular tennis player in Britain by a long shot, but people wanted him to win because he wasn't Kyrgios. Mm-hmm. And why won't they like him? I mean, he's from Serbia. I mean, what, what, what did the Serbs ever do to, to England there? Come on. I mean, you guys... You... Well, well, we know... We've had this. Every, England hate everyone in sport. You know that. <laughs> I think it's the way he it's the way he behaved over the whole vaccination status. Oh, I that's true. Into, you know, with the rights and wrongs of that. Right. But it's just the way he went about it, and he got caught lying about it. Got kicked out of Australia. Mm. And I think again, lying is a, is something you can't get away with in sport, and that's why people didn't like him. So really, on the men's side. And your boy went out, uh, you know, in what Andy Murray went out in the early, right? First round or, or second round. There really wasn't much to cheer about for the Brits. Well, there was. Cameron Nobby reached the semi finals. Well, he did. First semi. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he did very well. I mean, Andy Murray, as we said, we talked about, he could have been his last appearance. He hasn't said he's retiring yet. But yeah, I mean, Norrie was a real underdog. He, he And he won the first set against Djokovic in the semi-final. Then Djokovic turned up and it was all over. So yeah, I mean, there was a lot of British interest. There was a fantastic parade of all the champions um, on, on the middle Sunday with a lot of, you know, former great players coming in. It was a very successful tournament. And what was quite amazing is there was no rain and the sun shone for two weeks and that never happens in England so on, on the women's side now who, who were you fancying that was going to win the women's side there Paul well to quote the famous line from the film in women's tennis I always root for the heterosexual <laughs> it's from the film Top Secret for anyone who doesn't follow their 80s pop culture yes Top Secret where I believe the poster was a uh, was a picture of a cow a spotted cow right am I right about that black and white I still I can still That's see the correct. poster there it is, Numchuk. That is correct, and it stars Val Kilmer and Omar Sharif. Oh, what a tag team. Val Kilmer and Omar Sharif. That's outstanding. Oh, good stuff. Hey, speaking so, of which... The women's tennis... Lena Rybianka won it. Um, she beat Ons Jabur in the final. But to be honest, the women's tennis really has become something of a sort of... Not even a, a secondary. It's it's so far down the ranking orders now. You know the Williams sisters were there. You know they the, she went out very early. They've almost you know their, their time has gone. And to be honest, there's no big name in women's tennis anymore. So the interest is like, well, what are we really going to watch when you go to the men's tennis? There are big name players you want to go and see. So I think we need to get back to the days of a Steffi Graf, a Serena Williams, go back to a Chris Ever. We need a big name in women's tennis or Otherwise, it's just going to become a non-entity on the sports pages. Paul Buckpower Stewart joins us from England. And Paul, you bring up an old movie reference with Top Secret. I appreciate that. I don't know if you're going to be watching ESPN tonight or you've seen the teaser, but I want everyone to watch The Great Imposter. Now, The Great Imposter, I'm not talking about the movie. Do you know the movie I'm talking about, Paul, from the early 60s? Tony Curtis and Carl oh, Malden? No, that- I am definitely not as old as you then, T. So. No, well, believe me, you're probably, I don't want to say, I was going to say Paul, probably older than me, but that's okay. No, and I don't know about this either, but I just know about the the E60 that we're going to see tonight. And, uh, and when I was Googling this, I saw, oh, 
There's an old movie with Tony Curtis. So some of these old timers may know that. But anyway, Paul Stewart, the great imposter in me is going to take place tonight. And you and I have talked about things, the wild, wacky side of sports where, you know, Morgana, the kissing bandit, the streakers, all this stuff. Well, I want you to watch this tonight, my friend. Barry Bremen, all right, is a guy that had a dare going back to the 70s, the early 70s, for a $300 bet where he dressed up as an NBA player at the NBA All-Star Game in the Kansas City Kings uh, warm-up and went on the, the court and did the layup line. And he's there with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the, the greatest and people are going like, what the heck uh, is going on here? And he said, hey, guys, relax. I just, I'm just i just trying to win a side bet here. And uh, I just want to you know, go in the layup line with you guys. And they go, okay, we're cool. And it was a funny story going back into the late 70s. Well, this morphed into this guy now going to golf tournaments and golfing with Jack Nicholas and, and other things. And so E60 is doing this. And Dick Schapp, who was interviewing him at the point in time, became friends with him and I don't want to give away too much story because I want everybody to see you know the documentary but he helped him you know get fake media credentials under various names and he would go cover all these major sports and yeah Barry Bremen the great imposter as he was known back in the day and uh so that trans you know transfers me to this with you Paul have you had that you've had to have some of that it, it, it's some greatest British sporting events, right? Where an imposter shows up. That is absolutely right. Back in 2001 TC, there was a Manchester United Champions League game in Bayern Munich, of all places, and there was an imposter called Carl Power who turned up in a Manchester United uniform and got himself in the pre-game picture where they line up after the anthems. They have a team picture, then they all run off to start the game, and he's in that team picture along with all the Manchester United players. It's one of the great stunts ever performed in, in spoof. It, it takes on this, this Barry Bremen character. Mm-hmm. Right. And we go back, I believe it was the 76 Olympics, wasn't it? Frank Shorter? Remember when someone uh, was imitating Frank Shorter and the guy came in the marathon? Was it, uh, Remember that? So we, we had an imposter there. And I still remember uh, Jim McKay freaking out. That's an imposter. That's not Frank Shorter. And the guy had a mustache. Uh, looked like him. That was one case. But there have been many, many others. But I don't know what it is, Paul, but when I think of these type of stories, I equip Brits to this story. I think there's plenty more, and it's a Brit-centered thing. There is another one involving golf TC. That back in the 70s, when the word groovy was still fashion, fashionable to use, there was a guy who tried to qualify for the Open Championship, went through the qualifying rounds. His name was Maurice Flickcroft. Now, the only problem is he didn't have a handicap and he wasn't very good at golf, but he thought he, would, he got through the entry process. He shot 121 in trying to qualify for the Open. That's something like 50 over par. Now, I mean, this guy, he then took, you know, gobs, he got kicked out after the first round. He then tried two or three more times under assumed names to get in and almost got as far as the first tee before they discovered him. There's actually been a film made about him, which came out over here last year. So, yeah, we've had, we've even had it in golf over here. Very British thing as well, TC. There it is. All right, Paul Buck Power Stewart joins us uh, talking about... Uh, the great imposters and uh, check this out tonight. ESPN Barry Bremen, 
That is gonna gonna be interesting. I've seen the the teaser or the trailer on Sports Center, so looking forward to, to that tonight. And uh, again, I don't know what made me think of that. Uh, you know, having you on here today, Paul. But isn't that weird? I mean, the, the great imposter, and I think of you. Oh, thank you. I'll, I'll remember <laughs> that one, TC. That's one nil to you today, my friend. All right. So, can I still call it the British Open? Because I'm tired of calling it the Open. I can't do the Open. Oh, it's not the sorry. Open, Paul. It is the British Open. Will be. Will always be. Should be. And who's in charge of this? That that changed it. They're not the Open. Okay, well, this is a good story, I've got to tell you. The, the Open over here is run by the Royal and Ancient Golf Club of St Andrews, the RNA, who are the you know who run who run the sport. And there's a great story from a few years ago involving your former president Donald Trump, and I'm taking no political sides here, but he owns. Turnbury Golf Club, which was one of the previous open venues. It's where Tom Watson had his jewel in the sun with Jack Nicholas. It's where he, Watson almost won the open at the age of 59. Now, Turnbury is our version of Pebble Beach. It's the most scenic course, but it had been taken off the open road so because of hotel issues and, and travel and the course. Well, the course was all renovated. The RNA went down to look at it, were absolutely amazed at how good it was. And they were all very favourable. Helicopter then lands on the 18th fairway, unannounced. Stepping out of the helicopter is Donald Trump. And he walks up to the, the organisers of the RNA and just says, what's it bleeping bleeping going to take to get the British Open back here? <laughs> and pretty much he stopped Turnbull getting the Open for the next 20 years because of that one sentence. The way he spoke to them and calling it the British Open... Donald Trump cost his course a chance of ever having the Open for the next 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> Only he could do it. Paul, so the Open, I know you're going to follow this very closely. Give me a winner. Who's the winner? Okay, so this is good because, I mean, I was well known for whoever I picked to win golf tournaments on different radio shows. They would always go and miss the cut. And it got to the point where players were begging me not to pick them. Um, my two tips this week are St. Andrews. And I said, I've got a lot of experience because I've played there myself. I've even shot 77 around the old course myself. 77? You know, he's done so. Wow. 77 Impressive. around the old TC. <laughs> okay. um, my two tips are Jordan Spieth who won the Open five years ago at Royal Birkdale, so he knows Link's conditions, which are very different to anything else you play on the PGA Tour. He also played pretty well last week at the Scottish Open at North Berwick, so he's been in good form. And then as an underdog British tip, Shane Lowry, who won the Open at Royal Port Rush three years ago, has grown up playing Link's golf. They would be my two tips. The other thing I expect to see is on Friday... After two rounds, when Tiger Woods misses the cut, which I believe he will, I think he will stop on the famous Swilkengun Bridge, turn round and wave to the crowd like Tom Watson did, like Jack Nicklaus, Arnold Palmer did, and I think Tiger Woods will announce his retirement at St Andrews this weekend. There it is. Go to the book. Can we bet on that? There we go. Paul Buckpower is calling oh, Tiger God. Woods retires on the course at St Andrews. 
Look at that. That's a. Well, I think it's, a, it's it's an iconic image, TC, of people waving goodbye. You know, Jack Nicholas no, did it. It's a very in fact. Jack Nicholas, his very last shot in competitive golf was a birdie on the 18th, the last time he played there. So it's always been seen as a way of a top player to say goodbye. And I just have that image of, of Woods doing that. He's not fit enough to play golf anymore. He can't compete at that level. So I just think you know because the the Open will be back in Andrews for around eight or nine years, I think, based on the current on the current rotor, I think this will be the time when he says goodbye. You know, that would look good in, in, in a fairy tale, Paul, but what we know about Tiger Woods, he doesn't like to conform to anybody or do something else that somebody else has done. So I could, I could see Tiger wanting to go out in his own way because you're right, everybody would compare him to that that moment of Jack Nicholas or Oliver Palmer or whatever. So, I yeah, I can't, I can't see it just because I just don't think that uh, – I think his ego is too big for that. It's, it's a good point. I think it's just such an iconic image, TC. You know, I it mean, is. Any, you know, That's a great point. Any golfer in the world has played St. Andrews. You know, when you play there and you walk across the bridge – and, and the Swilkin Burn is the only bit of water on the course. It's like a sort of six-foot-wide, you know, burn that runs down to the sea. You know, if any ball goes in there, you don't need your scuba gear to go in and get it. You can just scoop the ball out and carry on. But it's such an iconic image of standing on that bridge. And I think Tiger wants to be regarded as one of the greatest ever. And unless he's seen having that iconic image, he won't feel complete. And that's why I think he'll do it. Paul Buck Power Stewart. If anybody has seen video of Paul Buck Power Stewart on a golf course, you can mistake him for Tony Jacklin. I mean, that <laughs> that, that swing is identical. I, I think it's you. I mean, a 77 on at St. Andrews? I was thinking Some, more Barkley. Yeah. He's got the Barkley swing. Oh, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. It, it no. was. It was a dream come true, TC. It was one of my golfing ambitions was to break 80 mm. around the old course. And I came close a couple of times, right. and I finally got on there, and I had a really good round going. I even got up and down from the mm. famous road hole bunker on that round. But I was so nervous. But to do it... It was a life. It was one of those not just bucket list to play there, a lifetime achievement. And anyone listening to this show who's a golfer, you've all got your own things you want to achieve: break ninety, break eighty, get a hole in one. Well, this was one of mine, and it, it's something I will always remember and cherish as long as I play golf. Congratulations, my friend. That is a, quite an accomplishment. All right, before I let you go, I got to give you the business a little bit. England eight, Norway nil. Women's Euro Cup going on. What are you doing trying to beat down those Norwegians like that? Ain't nothing. Now, I actually saw the highlights of this, and I don't think this was all England's fault because that goalkeeper for Norway was pathetic. What is she doing? She's coming out like five, six yards out of the box. This is an embarrassment. Eight nil? Come on, Paul. Take it easy already. Yeah, the way she played, I think she's got a chance to be back up for the Golden Knights next season. Oh. Um, yeah, the, oh, sorry, TC, that, that was my equaliser. Oh, um, yeah, the Euro women's football is taking place, which basically is a way for England and France to get themselves to the final to find out who America could beat ten 0 if America played them, because <laughs> you guys are, are the queens of women right. of women's soccer. So yeah, the Euro Championships is going, taking place right now. Norway, one of the weaker teams in. There. It happens in the, in the Men's World Cup. I mean, for example, later this year when, when England play the United States, it could be something very similar. All right. Paul, one more thing i got to ask you real quick here. You know, we could have a work stoppage at the All-Star Game. The concessionaires at Dodger Stadium are talking about going yes. on strike. I don't know if you heard that or not. 
I think this is more of an American thing. Have you ever had any work stoppages at stadiums there in Britain? I can't, I can't think of any. I can't yeah, think I think this is an American thing. Yeah, see? Come on. I think it's an American protest type of a thing. The use of the word strike is particularly relevant when it comes to baseball. I mean, I know you mentioned during your, your rant earlier on, you were talking about that how the Dodgers hadn't hosted the All-Star game for 42 years. That's because everyone's still trying to get out of Chave Ravine because of the traffic problems <laughs> from the last one. This is true. There you go. <laughs> he is Paul Buckpower Stewart. Uh, he will be covering those Tampa Bay Buccaneers very, very soon. Come this football season, NFL Europe, he'll be there, be on the broadcast on the European side. We promise to get some iconic calls from Buck Power. There it is. I just want to hear Paul Buck Power Stewart call a, a double reverse with some vintage Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Give it to me real quick, Paul. Let's go. Okay, then. Brad Johnson drops back, hands off to Michael Pittman. No, he's reversed it to Mike Allstott. Allstott stops at the line, throws downfield, hits Dave Moore, the tight end over the middle. Gain of 15, another first down for the Buccaneers. <laughs> Outstanding. There it is. There you go. Give me a banger, yeah, why don't more, you? I was more of an analyst, TC. I mean, oh, you have to be prepared to do play by play. I like I that. more of an analyst. I understand that. I understand. All right, my friend. Great <laughs> stuff. We will talk to you soon. And uh, we got all of your uh, British Open, I'm still calling it British Open, picks here. And remember, uh, anyone who he's picking does not make the cut. He picks Tiger Woods not to make the cut. Therefore, Tiger will probably walk away as a victor. There he is. Now, Spieth, <laughs> Spieth Lowry to do well Woods to miss the cut and I wish you guys a very great week from on this side of the Atlantic have a hot dog Cheerio. my friend enjoy there it is <laughs> Paul Buck Power Stewart one of a kind shock your mind alright speaking of which our next guest Marco D'Angelo in the house bulletproof vest and all when we come back in hour number two Eccolo il cross tagliato di testa che Go! Go! È il magnifico! Il magnifico! Il magnifico rettore! Live! Boom! Boom! The entertainment capital of the world! What a strike! What a goal! What a comeback! What a game! There are no words to describe it! The TC Martin Show. Léger hors jeu, mais cette fois-ci, il n'y en a pas pour Marco Reus. Très fort devant le but. Oh Prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Largo pifio. Messi la tiene. Messi, Messi, Messi. Ahí está Iniesta. Gol! Doctor is now in. Glad to have you here. Hour number two. 
Coming your way, we talk a little Major League Baseball this hour. Oh, yes, and in the house. Our handicapper extraordinaire, Marco D'Angelo, has made his way into the friendly confines here today. Not at the Cosmopolitan, but we got Marco out of the house, got him away from the pool, and uh, he's counting his tickets right now. Another winning night for Marco D'Angelo. What is up, my friend? I just want to have whatever you had for lunch because you are wound up today. You know what I had for lunch. <laughs> Freddy's frozen custard and steak burgers. I had the hot dog, the grilled onions, and the mustard. Pump me up with the fries. Ooh, yeah, there I go again. Yeah. Delicious. Patty melt too, Marco. When do you want to go to Freddy's? I, I, I told you I got to take you to Freddy's. There you go. When do you I- want to go? I'm still trying to figure out how you're so skinny with everything you eat. <laughs> it really annoys me. <laughs> Our friendship is now over. That's it. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So, you know what I want to talk with you about. I know. Spe- speaking, it's kind of correlated to food. But the breaking news, Marco, that we have an NFL name change. And, of course, you're the first person that I thought about that Heinz Field is no more. No more Heinz Field. For 21 years, since 2001, the stadium known as Heinz Field will now be known as what? Acrisure is what you, you said it right. Yeah. I get, yeah, Acrisure. And what, you are a Pittsburgh native. You are Pittsburgh through and through. Is this at least a Pittsburgh company? It's not. Oh. They're, they're based in Michigan, oh. Grand Rapids, Michigan. Oh. Oh. I never heard of them till they did it, but I did some research afterward, and uh, this company did, in eight years, they went from $38 million in revenue hmm. to $3.8 billion I saw last that. year. I saw that. It's, and I still don't really understand what they do. They're an insurance company. They're artificial intelligence. There's a lot of other things. Uh, but they did have a connection with one of the co-owners of the Steelers that they did a business deal before, a right. $400 million deal. So I guess there's some ties there, but Heinz Field was special. Mm-hmm. I, you know, even Ben Roethlisberger came out yesterday and, you know, saying it just doesn't, doesn't seem mm-hmm. right. People are still going to call it Heinz Field for a you long think? time. It, it, so let me ask you this. Okay, because go, you go back to the old Three River Stadium, and then when they built the new stadium – which they needed. There's no question. But then they named it Heinz Field. How did you feel about it at that point in time that you go from Three River Stadium and Pittsburgh, a blue-collar town, working man's country as we know, working men, working women, and then you're going to put a, you know, a title sponsor on it? How would you feel about it back then? Do you remember? You know, you're going back 21 years uh, to do that, but at least it was an iconic Pittsburgh company right same way with the pirates the pirates have been pnc park which is a local bank that's been there forever so at least you know there was that connection and then there was cool things i don't know if you ever actually saw it but the big scoreboard in the open end of the stadium had two ketchup bottles yes anytime the steelers would enter the red zone the ketchup bottles started to pour the red you know down the screen so it was just it was a cool thing it was part of it you know, Heinz 57 sauce, everything yes. there. And ironically, that was the price of the first, you know, contract. But mm-hmm. that doesn't even scratch the surface for what this contract was for 10 years. So what do you think? I mean, Heinz going to have the first right of refusal there. 
you think that they just did not want – why didn't they want to come back and do it? Was it purely that they could get more money from somebody else? Maybe were their feelings hurt because they were going – you know, this other company came in, backdoored it. What do, I mean, what do you think happened? They – money. It's just yeah. pure and simple. There was too much of an offer. But Heinz has plenty of money, right? They do, but having money and figuring out what you want to do with it is another thing. They just felt that it wasn't worth – the amount of money that was going to have to be spent to outbid the other company. So we'll see what happens. But one good thing about it is we're not, you know, the Steelers at Heinz Field, they were always playing catch-up. Yes, they were. <laughs> and we need our catch-up, Marco. We need catch-up, and I love catch-up. Three tomatoes are walking down the street. Papa tomato, mama tomato, and baby tomato. Baby tomato starts lagging behind and pop tomato gets really angry goes back and squishes him says ketchup <laughs> ketchup pulp fiction at its finest see you around you gotta like it uh, your <laughs> pop culture references are amazing TV. yes amazing <laughs> But I will tell you this much. If, you know I used to write a food column. If I went yeah. into a restaurant and they didn't have the bottle of Heinz there, mm-hmm. if they had right. – I won't, I won't even say the other brand. That, right. They got a downgrade immediately. I'm with me. you, man. I'm with you. And I'll tell you what. With a mustard side of it, I was always French's. Mm-hmm. And I love my French's mustard. But a lot of places would go Heinz because, you know – and I don't know how long it took Heinz to make mustard after the ketchup. But I don't remember it way back when. But I'm fine with Heinz mustard as well, too. That's how much I trust the Heinz brand. I don't eat mustard, as we've had this discussion yes. about the Shame hot dogs on you. again. But if, I, if I'm having a cookout and I go to the store and we're having you know burgers and you know hot dogs, I got to buy mustard for everybody else. You buy Heinz? No, I actually go French's. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, <laughs> it's just it, it's that brand's, you know. Right, it's ingrained in your brain, right? Exactly, so, which is great marketing, uh, you know, the companies that do that. And for me, you know, I'm obviously biased being from Pittsburgh, but if I walk into, you know, a restaurant and you see an off-brand on the condiments, yeah. it, it's it's a turn-off. I'm not doing it. No. Yeah. Are you, so you're not mustard, period? No. Nah. So you're not a good person to ask about then brown spicy mustard. Then. No. Yeah. Goulden's. Goulden's brown spicy mustard will be the only mustard of the brown spicy kind that I will use. I know. Where's Great Poupon? No. That's, oh, no. Yeah, exactly. And I, I know where you're going. You got a you got a Chicago reference. You're going to. I don't right? have a Chicago reference. We're we going to say cops or something or what? Well, I do have. A, it's halfway Chicago. Okay, go ahead. White Castle, Dusseldorf. Well, it is German. <laughs> I do laugh. So uh, White Castle, again, I just, I, I've never been to White Castle. always refuse to go to White Castle, even at 3 o'clock in the morning. I refuse to go. You tell me they go with the, they go with the Dusseldorf brown they, spicy no, you mustard? Have to, you have to get it yourself. What? They don't put it on. They, uh, it's pickle, but, yeah. onion, and the burger. That's it. Okay. So where's the, where's the spicy brown they give Dusseldorf it, coming? They give you the packets, and you put of it that. on yourself. Not regular yellow mustard? Nope. You can ask for a regular yellow. I wonder what that's all about. Because you usually don't equate spicy brown mustard to, to hamburgers. I'm Ohio. Candlestick Park, where, where we you know grew up and went all the time, it, the Gouldens was it. And, that, and they never even had the French's. It was just straight Gouldens. And again, I would have never 
been introduced to that if it wasn't for sports. And going back to bringing it back, this is what we think about. And there are going to be some younger generation people that, again, they're, they don't even know Three River Stadium, but they know Heinz Field. And it was 21 years maybe isn't a long time, but for a younger generation, it kind of is. But it's interesting. You think that people will continue to call it Heinz. You think the announcers, when they come in week one, week two, week three, they'll probably make the mistake and call it Heinz. Our first amphith- outdoor amphitheater that we had in Pittsburgh was Star Lake. Then that was before you had all of the sponsorships. I still, to this day, if I say you go into a concert, I refer to it as the original what it was named. And it's had probably 10 different name changes, you know, over right. the years. It, right. It's just the way it is. It's hard. It's hard enough. How many times do you call when the Chargers move? Do you still said San Diego? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It still it, slips. It, it's just there. Yeah. In, Heinz was one of those iconic names to me, and again, not because of the Pittsburgh bias, but I can't help but always think, and I don't even remember what the right name was, but the Arizona uh, ballpark where everybody called it the Bob. Right. The people paid is some kind of bank. Bank you know, one. one. Yeah. Bank one ballpark. Yeah. They spent all of that money, yeah. and then people are calling it the Bob. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good bang for your buck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's why it didn't last. And then Chase took over, and who knows what it is now. Exactly. So at, you're not a mustard guy. But at PNC Park and at Heinz Field, the old Heinz Field, did they have the Heinz mustard, or did they go with French's? They probably had Heinz because of the contract. You would think so, right? Yeah. Completely Being right. that I don't use mustard, I, I know. Okay, so, the, so here's a okay, <laughs> final thing with this, okay? I, I promise. It will be Heinz 57... And I, I said it earlier that we had in our cupboard at home, we, we put it on steaks and chops. And as a kid, you don't know any better, right? I love the Heinz, especially on pork chops. I loved it. What was in that Heinz 57 sauce? God, no one could ever tell secret. me or describe it's, it, right? It's like Dr. What is it? It's like Dr. Pepper in the 23 different you know ingredients. It, you have 57 different spices in there. And I'm... I can put it on, but I, I'm not a big, big fan of the Heinz 57 sauce. Yeah. My wife will put it on eggs. Real, she, yeah. yeah, I know a lot of people do that. Yeah. Heinz 57 was good. Yeah. So there you go. Old school. Old school. <laughs> of course, as, as, as we like. No question. All right. So what's the name of the stadium again? AccuSure. Is AccuSure. We talk, I say it all the time with the Steeler organization. I'm 61 years old. I've had three coaches yeah. for the football team. Right. We now have three stadiums because it was three rivers, true. Heinz Field, and this is only the third. But technically, name. it's still the second it's, stadium, right? Right. All right. But only the third name. So they do everything long term. All right. <laughs> Where's Ebbets Field? Where's it at? Still there? Ebbets Field? <laughs> yeah. That's before my time. <laughs> <laughs> Forbes Field. Forbes Field. Forbes Field. Yeah. I don't right now. I don't think I could walk. Ebbets was Cincinnati. Ebbets was Cincinnati, and <laughs> Forbes is in Pittsburgh. Hill. Right? Forbes is in Pittsburgh. Yep. Yeah. You, you ever drive by the, the? What is it? Is it a bank now? I, I mean, th- there's a wall still there. They is there really? Have a wall there? Yeah. Okay. It was at the top of the. You know, you had they called it Cardiac Hill. Walking up, walking up to Forbes Field. Wow. Wasn't Abbott's in New York? Ebbets in New York? Yeah. Yeah. Brooklyn. Brooklyn, 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 Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Duh, yeah, Brooklyn. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Where'd the Reds play back in Cincinnati? Riverfront Stadium. No, no, before the cookie cutter, (laughs) Riverfront Stadium, Three River Stadium. Yeah, Crosley Field. There you go. There you go. 
Old school knowledge here. It is. We got that. I got a crack producing staff here. <laughs> as in cracked, as in ED. Or is it Union Grounds? Union Grounds, too. Union Grounds? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. All right. So, anyway, we get back to... What were we talking about with you today? Besides Hines. besides ketchup? I'm probably trying to give you some baseball winners yeah. at some point. <laughs> I think that's what they might want to hear some things. Uh, before we get into that, Marco, uh, thoughts about the All-Star game? Coming up on Tuesday, who got snubbed? You know what? I haven't looked at all that yet. Mm. I like to look at the pitchers, and I'll yep. start from the Thursday starts to Sunday. Cause yep. that You talk about an old-school angle. Somebody that makes the all-star team for the first-time pitcher, all right. you like to look to fade them in their last start before because they're looking at forward to it. Now, the flip side is when we look and say who got snubbed, that's a guy that you might want to look in at last start because he wants you know he's a little irritated he didn't right. get it you know now we had one of those last night with Aaron Nola it, it didn't work out for him but we uh, do have Dylan Cease going today okay who who definitely got snubbed and he's probably right at the top of the list so I'm I'm just wondering if if you buy into that theory for a guy that got snubbed hey I gotta I gotta show these guys. And, you know, does that really apply to baseball? Because we've seen it in basketball where a guy gets snubbed from the NBA All-Star and then he'll go out and score 42 or something like that. But it just kind of seems like that in an NBA game, his players know that and like, okay, we're going to give you the rock, that sort of thing. Baseball is is, is a little bit different. The the infielders and, you know, defensive players might – play a little more intense game, you know, because they know he got snubbed and they're playing with him. And you talk about, we look about trying to find flat spots. Well, this is one of those instances where it's a motivational spot for him. Uh, I think a young player, it would affect them more because if they haven't had it yet and they were that close to it, maybe they would unravel and not have a good start uh, because they're more disappointed they didn't get that that nod to the All-Star break. But do you think it's a big deal, but it's become so commercial anymore? At least this is the only sporting event of exhibition games that we have. You know, forget exhibition football because mm-hmm. that's before the season, where it actually means something, where they play for home field advantage uh, for the World Series. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that when Bud Seal instituted that for, for home field in the World Series? I get the merit behind it, but you've got guys that are there to have fun, put on a show. You've got managers. They say they're managing to win, but you're putting pitchers in every inning. You know, guys going one inning. So, really, it's still a crapshoot, so to speak, but with a little bit of meaning. You know, the NBA All-Star game, to me, is an absolute joke. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you can't watch that. And you got to remember that the NFL Pro Bowl, uh, it, it, that's, I mean, it, it's so bad that they're, they're discontinuing it. But when you look at Major League Baseball, what's funny about that, when Bud Selig says, okay, you know, ended in a tie that one year, okay, we got to do something. We can't go on, you know, inning after inning after inning because we're, you know, again, we don't hurt our pitchers and do all that stuff. Again, just so protective mode. But, you had people that were in that all-star game, like, say, the managers, doesn't necessarily – they had anything invested in it. So even though they said that, okay, you know, players are going to play harder to gain home field advantage for the World Series, none of those players knew that they, if they would be there, more than likely most of them aren't going to be in that position anyway. And I didn't see anything really change. 
it changed from a narrative, maybe from the media talking about it so much, but from a managerial standpoint or a player standpoint, I didn't see them try any harder when that came down to it. Absolutely, but in the other big key that you touched upon was they didn't want to see these extra inning games. And because if you're rolling through the pitchers, a pitcher an inning, you're going to be out of pitchers, <laughs> right? You know, you're basing it on a regular dur- you know duration game and trying to get everybody in there. So that's where the problems come in, and then you're stuck at the end. And who you know who do you use? Now you got a guy that's going to be in there instead of one inning. He could possibly be in there for three innings. And it's it's still an exhibition game at the end of the day. They're mm-hmm. not going to want to blow an arm out or you know risk somebody. A manager's not going to get somebody hurt in an all-star game that's not even his player. Mm-hmm. That's the worst-case scenario you could possibly have. Do you bet on the all-star games? And is it one of these things that you say, as a handicapper, I'm not doing it? Or do you look at the game individually and say, you know what? There actually might be something to this because we know that in every All Star game, it, you know it's kind of like NBA All Star game. All these other ones, you have a low point spread, and in with baseball, it's always usually minus maybe one fifteen, one ten, one twenty, maybe one twenty five. I mean, you just you really can't decipher that. So, how do you play the All Star game? For me, I've probably in my forty years I've been doing this, I probably bet the All Star game three, four times max. Really? But it's only the game that is the only one I would consider. I do bet preseason football because that's a totally different situation. You've got players actually trying because they're trying to make a team, and it's done before the season where the meaning is, yeah, we want to make the 54-man roster. Um, for baseball, I'll play it sometimes, but most likely not again this year. Never play the NBA All-Star game. Right. I don't even watch it, right. and I never, never have made a bet over the years on the Pro Bowl. Mm-hmm. Of course, football. Not. Yeah, yeah. So, with the Major League Baseball All Star Game, I mean, not even like as you like to say a pizza bet, yep. you know, uh, for just the sake of having a little action, or you just you're that disciplined where you say, you know, I just it's off the board. I'm done. I'm going to a movie. Um, usually because the baseball all-star game falls on the same week as the opening week at Del Mar. Yeah, it's true. I've got, I've got the racing form out, and I'm starting to handicap uh, Del Mar's opening day card. Uh, if I'm sitting in a bar, and it has become popular, people love prop bets, okay? And there's no better prop bet than the home run derby, okay? Yeah. That's something that has become as entertaining as – the all-star game itself you know playing somebody so if you want to put some pizza money or chicken wing money on a couple guys for the you know a home run derby and have fun yeah but if you're betting serious money on it i can't do that yeah mm-hmm. that's that's as bad as betting teasers so, <laughs> okay here it is july and i'm already getting the november you know october shots at the teaser Pleaser, my friend. <laughs> and I, I will be reminding you, of course, during the football season. I'll remember these, Marco. Marco, Marco D'Angelo joins us. WagerTalk.com here in studio. We talk a little uh, Major League Baseball game. We will handicap some baseball games here in the next segment as well, too. Uh, but going, going back to this, you mentioned the Home Run Derby. Is that something that you feel you can handicap? Or, and have you made any wagers on, on the Home Run Derby? I have not made wagers myself other than a personal, you know, have fun bet, you know, watching in a bar and whatever. But 
like at our site, we do have guys that specialize in prop bets in fantasy sports. Mm-hmm. So that's more up their their alley to look at. And there's been some guys that have had success with it. And you can you know get a mild upset and get a price. That's always fun. Pete Alonzo. Pete Alonzo is going to enter the All Star game home run contest again. He's won it the last two years. He's pretty pumped up and amped up uh, about it. Uh, Albert Pujols is going to be in the field this year, kind of his, you know, swan song, so, so to speak. Um, come on, Marco, we're going to handicap a winner today, <laughs> today's show. All right, I'm putting you on the spot. We're going to do this, even if it's for a fun pizza bet, bet in the bar, you know, bet in the studio, whatever it is. All right, Pete Alonzo, Juan Soto, uh, Ronald Acuna, Albert Pujols. That's who we have so far. We're going to have a, a, a couple more entrance as well too we'll have to to see the odds yeah i'm not going to go with the favorite like you said alfonso's won it the last two years so they'll install him favorite and you know three years ago no one thought this guy would would be you know he wasn't the favorite i don't think even the first two years he well you're going to get the big you know the big names that commit to go ahead and and play in the the all-slitter because a lot of guys you know yeah it's fun but if you did it once you know they don't care and how many guys this is their break they you know it's a it's an honor to be there, but how much do you think for the players? I don't think it's like the old days, you know, mm-hmm. where you would go. And then whenever they had the All Star Game uh, in Three Rivers, I was there for that one. Uh, that was fun, uh, you know. It's an event you you get to see so many good players mm-hmm. in one location, and you know, summertime it's fun. They're playing for something. Where when you watch again, you watch NBA and you watch the NFL, they do not play any defense at all. It's just let us go up and down the field, the court, and it got to a point where I know there were sharp betters until Vegas just made the lines way mm-hmm. too high. All they would do is bet the overs because there were, Vegas just couldn't put a number up high enough because mm-hmm. there was nothing to base it on. Right. You know, when they just stopped playing defense, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's soaring over the number. So we do have another late entrant that injured today, and that is Kyle Schwarber. So. So he's in. So we got Schwarber, Soto, Pujols, uh, Acuna, and uh, Pete Alonso. You got to have a Dodger in there. You always got to have a local guy. You would think so, but who would that Dodger be? Freddie Freeman? I mean, who really would it be? Yeah. I mean, Trey Turner? I don't know. You have to but have somebody for the local you crowd would, to, you would think to, so, right? to cheer for. And I was hoping that. Jordan Alvarez would, would be in there for the Astros, which would be great to see. Uh, but then again, you think of Dodger Stadium, you don't think of Dodger Stadium really being a home run park. But again, as we know, the, the ball does kind of fly out of there before the sun goes down. Right. So day games at Dodger Stadium it does, but they have the home run derby. It's going to be taking place around 5 o'clock Pacific time, so you can see balls flying out of the park. But you get a little bit of shadows, too, don't you? Do, you exactly. That? Uh, yeah. yeah. yeah, that could be interesting as well, too. But people love it. People love the home run derby. They love watching it. For me, I think it's too long. Mm-hmm. It's way, you know kind of like the three-point contest in the NBA. It's way too long. I mean, let's, let's trim it down a little bit, make it a little bit more exciting. You don't need to be having you know, you know, three rounds and all this other kind of stuff. But uh, how, about, how about Mookie Betts? Mookie Betts. You know? Justin no. Turner? You know? Maybe Dodger? I don't know. You know. But Alvarez is injured. But I know that you know Dusty had said that 
He goes, hey, if this is before Alvarez got hurt. He said, if Alvarez, because he got asked a question, because Dusty's managing, you know, the American League team. He goes, if Alvarez, you know, wants to do it, he goes, fine. He goes, my only concern is, he goes, I've seen, you know, all-star games, all-star home run derbies, I should say, mess up guys swing for the second half of the season because you've got this all this uppercut. Yeah. But then, like he said, he goes, on the flip side, then you got Alonzo, and doesn't seem to bother his swing because he was continuing to belt homers after yeah. Uh, the home run derby. The only thing I could relate to that is my little league coach telling me don't play wiffle ball <laughs> during the season because it screws up, screws up your swing. Yeah, wiffle <laughs> that, ball. Yeah, 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 that went. That's as far as I went. That's it. <laughs> you got that, that increased bat speed of wiffle ball. You know that? <laughs> there it is. All right, when we come back. Uh, we'll take a look at uh, some major league baseball games. We've got some interesting mm-hmm. games here tonight, uh, including the Yankees back in action tonight. We'll see if we have a Pittsburgh Pirates play, but we probably won't. (laughs) Right? Exactly. More Pittsburgh talk. Marco D'Angelo in the house here on this terrible Tuesday. T.C. Martin. I'm ready to go in, Coach. Just give me a chance. The doctor is now in. In. Anytime we get a Pulp Fiction reference in the show, it's outstanding. And then music on tap. There it is. There it is. I love it. Opening credits right here. And then when they say Pulp Fiction, and then they start just like reeling everyone's name. You get up there as well, too. You got to love it. Especially the piano starts clanking. And then it goes right to Jungle Boogie, and they have the record scratch. And you go right to Jungle Boogie. You got to love it. Yeah, pop culture. Marco's just looking at me like, what? Marco, you got to be a Pulp Fiction fan, right? Come on. It was a good movie, but I'm, I'm not a fanatic about it. You make a lot of Pulp Fiction references I do. on your shows. One of, my, <laughs> one of my favorite movies, as you can probably tell. You got it. All right, we will be back at the NBA Summer League on Friday. Come on out. Say hello. We'll be winding down. That'll be like quarterfinals, semifinals. Friday will be at the Thomas and Mack Center. Uh, was out there, obviously, doing the show on Friday. Showed up last night. Uh, saw a lot of... A lot of the great guys that are out there. Saw Tony Parker was hanging out. Got a chance to visit with Michael Cage. Michael Cage, probably remember him. Dave back, uh, back at the Clippers, Supersonics. He'll be uh, on the show on Thursday, so we'll look forward to having Michael Cage on. Got a Michael Cage story of Venice Beach. Me and Big Game James were out at Venice Beach, and here comes Michael Cage when he's a member of the Clippers, riding up on like this little bicycle with these cool-looking shades on. And he says... I got next. And we're playing. We played against Michael Cage at Venice Beach. How bad you could beat. <laughs> I'll just leave that story alone right there. <laughs> but a lot of the NBA guys did that during the summer. They would hang there and they'd go out and ball. They'd play. That was like their off season. You know, when you go back, you know, to the eighties and the in the early nineties and stuff. Yeah, some fun stuff. All right, Tony Parker was out there last night. Uh, several of the guys uh Always good, NBA Summer League, to, to see uh, past, present players uh, all there. Scotty Barnes was uh, checking it all out. Toronto Raptors. He's been in some trade talks, and the Raptors are going, nah, he's not going anywhere. <laughs> not at all. But, uh, yeah, 2 to 4 p.m. we'll be out there uh, at the Summer League, broadcasting live again. And that goes through the 17th NBA Summer League. Chet Holmgren actually looked pretty good last night. I felt really bad for a lot of people that went out there last night because Oklahoma City was playing Orlando, so it was the battle of the number one and two picks. Bancaro from Duke 
who is with the Orlando Magic, and Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga, the number two pick by Oklahoma City. And they were scheduled to square off. Holmgren there, Bancaro, street clothes, <laughs> into the bench. And it's, it's really sad because I was walking around the concourse and was talking to people, and there was this couple that was from Italy. And they were there to see, they go, Bancaro. <laughs> they couldn't speak any English, but they could just say, Bancaro. Bancaro. They were here to see Bancaro. They come to the Summer League, and he's not playing. And I get it. Here we go again. It's just like, okay, you want to save you know, your personnel. He played in two games. Is he going to play anymore? And that's why we told people last week, if you're going to go out to the NBA Summer League, go early to the first couple games, and you'll see these guys because they put them on the shelf you know, because they don't want him to risk getting hurt. Now, is he going to maybe play one more game? Probably. Is it going to be in their like playoff format because you know they're playing for a trophy and that sort of thing? So we'll see. But uh, I don't know how much of a fan you know. You're probably not much of a uh, NBA summer league fan, but you know we go out there and we broadcast you know from there every year. So it's it is a cool atmosphere. You know the games. Obviously, you're dealing with rookie players and second year players, but it is a cool carnival like atmosphere if you want to you know run into you know NBA players and personnel and executives. I've gone once and I'll. You can figure out what year that was. It was Alonzo Ball whenever yeah. he was playing. I went because yeah. yep. there was so, so much hype, you know, yep. mainly because ago. of his yep. dad. Yep. Okay, yeah. And I went to that one, yep. and it was it was a cool experience, you know, to go Thomas and Mag and see it. But you know, I was fun, one and done. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Baseball um, been feeling pretty good. Been hitting him pretty good. Um, Full disclosure, I was on the Yankees over the weekend on Saturday and Sunday. Bad losers there, blowing late leads. So you know I'm a glut, Marco, so I'm I'm all in on the Yankees today. I could not believe this. Now they're playing Cincinnati, Graham Ashcraft against Garrett Cole. Yankees had the off day yesterday, coming back from Fenway Park. This screams... 8-2, whatever it is. We saw the Yankees coming off a losing streak last week, remember, and they... One sixteen nothing. I'm not saying it's going to be that, but two game losing streak against Cincinnati against Ashcraft. I saw the line last night at three ten, and then I said, "Well, man, run line. I'll be all in on this." I was expecting one eighty one eighty five. I got this at minus one forty last night, and I went all in on one forty. Now I know it's up to one fifty one fifty five at some places, but I'm not. <sighs> A huge run line guy, but this screams run line value to me at minus 140 or 150. Yeah, it's a good price on that. I used the Yankees tonight. I went a different direction than you. I did a money parlay, parlay yep. and I hooked the, Yan- and the Yankees. And I m- gave you this stat on your show last week. The Yankees are 22-2 and two when they're a $2 or more favorite this year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're... And they win by margins. When the yes. Yankees win, they win. The other team that I hooked it with, it's it's another favorite. But by hooking these two teams, we're getting a money line parlay that's bringing back just under even money. So it's almost you know it's almost like we're playing. Can can I guess your team? You can guess it. It's not that hard. Atlanta. Oh, let me do it this way. The reason I have it is the pitcher going is twenty and three. The team is twenty and three when he pitches at home. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. The last two seasons. The the last two seasons. Like I said, I was going to go Atlanta. That's who I was going with. Who you got? 
San Francisco. You, oh, Logan Webb. Logan Webb. Yeah, I was good. Okay, well, I, I got I've got Logan Webb in in another wager uh, tonight as well too, and you're right. You're right. Webb is pitched very well for the Giants, but I'm going to give you this stat, Marco, that the Giants have actually lost five of his last seven games, though, when he pitches. Now, he doesn't get tagged with those because they have got very little run support. And Logan Webb, and I think I've, I've mentioned this on the, I, you know, not that this is any deal, but I saw this kid pitch when he was in Little League, and my, my friend used to coach again. I watched this kid play when he was in 12 years old, and, I, and they just knew that this kid was going to be something special. Then he ends up with kind of like the home team there in San Francisco. But here's what's pro- the problem with Logan Webb is it seems like just about every start or every other start, he has one bad inning, and that bad inning is like a three-run inning or like a four-run inning, and it could turn bad. But you're right, he's got good stuff. But uh, I'm with you on this game tonight. And they're, and they're going against Keuchel, who is pathetic. He did pitch good in his last outing, finally. Yeah. He, he finally had a start that was reasonable, but I can't, I can't trust him. Now, the problem has been that San Francisco's not playing great baseball right, right. now. That's, that's the problem with them. And that's why I wouldn't even consider a run line with them, give them one less at bat, you know, playing at home situation. So I went with the money line, and you're right. Uh, Logan Webb hasn't been as good as he had been earlier in the year, but for whatever reason, when he's in that ballpark, they find a way to win mm-hmm. win his start. So I'm going to ride that tonight with the Yankees and uh, take take the Giants Yankees money line parlay. It brings back when I put it in, I was getting back uh, nine, you know, ninety six right you know, out of a you know, right. so it's almost an even almost money even money bet exactly. Okay, yeah, when you look at Garrett Cole. Um, he's given up one or no runs in five of his last six home starts. He's been very good at home. And what I like about this game, too, is Cincinnati really has no familiarity with him because Cole hasn't pitched against him since you know 2019. And as we know, this Reds roster has pretty much turned over Joey Votto, but he's been injured, so he might be the only guy that has any you know history that's seen Cole. And we know Ashcraft has been just downright you know awful. He's one and four in his last five starts. Um, but in Cincinnati, lost seven of nine, you know, before they went on this little sweep against Tampa Bay. Yeah. They beat Pittsburgh one game there, so they had Full four in a row. I had yeah. Tampa in, in two of those games over the yeah, weekend. yeah, yeah. But it, it, this seems like just a perfect opportunity to bet the Yankees in a run line for them to get back on track. Off day yesterday, and with a fairly easy opponent and a very very hittable pitcher in Ashcraft, you would think. Yeah, yeah. I just um. I just cringe at doing the one and a half. I do it sometimes. I think this I is the time to do it, Mark. I want to talk you into it because what if the Giants blow again like they did last night? They don't. How frustrated do you get? Because I do this like you too. Do the two team parlays like this in one game that if you feel very strong about, and then that other team they let you down. It's so infuriating. But you know what's even more infuriating? Laying the run yeah. and a half and win four three. Yeah, I know. Okay, been that, there. That been there. I would rather I lose re- lose a game outright than to have a run line. You know, it doesn't change the outcome. Doesn't change what you won or lost for yeah. the night. But it just it irritates me when you get that one. You're like me. Be honest. At the at the end of the eighth inning, and you're up by one run, you're rooting for that other team yeah. to either tie it because even if you're the home team, you know the shot of you getting a two run homer 
or yeah. more. Is, is, and yeah. so you're probably, hey, go ahead and win that game outright. Yeah. You know, I'm done. I, I want my team to oh, lose. If, if I'm not winning my bet, yeah, you're. I agree. Makes you the feel team. better. Right? I want the team to lose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. But that's the luxury of taking the. You know, doing the run line. I did the Yankees the second game of that Pittsburgh series last week. Right. That was stealing money the right. second game right. for them. Because, you know, and I said, I, I do a show on Mondays, and, you know, and I said, normally you would be looking to take, you know, the Yankees uh, over a team like the Pirates. But this is a Monday. You're, or, you're, or excuse me, it was even worse. It was the Tuesday, Tuesday. after Often. the Fourth of July. Oh, that Fourth of July game. Yeah, right, yeah. Right, so right, you right. got you right. played that big series right. over the weekend. Then you then you travel to Pittsburgh. Who's going to get excited to go to Pittsburgh? And the Pirates had sellouts for the only time. You know, <laughs> yeah. How many were oh, Yankees yeah. fans? Yeah. Oh, yeah. they were. There yeah. were Yankee fans all over the place. But it's to see a nice stadium. You know, mm-hmm. not to be by. And I've said it. We talked about right. Heinz Field earlier. Heinz Field's just another football right. field. Okay, right. there's nothing really special about that field. But you go to PNC Park, that's an experience. And that's one of the – and I talk to a lot of baseball guys, you know, that go, travel around the league and see it. Mm-hmm. They put it in the top three. Oh, I know. I, I, I have not been there, but it looks great and picturesque, and you rave about it. Other people I know rave about it. Do they have concerts at PNC Park? I know they do at Heinz Field because you were just at, yeah. at one, but do they, they let them have concerts there, or is that I just baseball? Reme- I can't remember concerts at PNC Park. Because we're seeing concerts now at Wrigley and yeah. Fenway, and we're seeing it at all these baseball stadiums. But I was just wondering because when you have, like you said, Heinz, it's a lot bigger and they're located pretty much next door, aren't they? Yeah, they're, they're both right, the same. Right, right. So yeah. let them have the concerts. You don't need yeah. to have it, you know, there. So I was just kind of curious about that. But what do you think about the Braves hosting the Mets tonight? You got Peterson against Strider. Spencer Strider has been very good. He's a young pitcher. But for some reason, I just have not been able to pull the trigger on him. I did tonight. What do you think? I pulled the trigger on him in his last start. That was a frustrating mm-hmm. uh, game. Uh, he pitched six shutout innings in that game, struck out 12, and then they ended up losing the game 3-2. to two. Uh, St. Louis you know, tied it up and sent it into extra innings. And, you know, that's, that's the problem. You look at, you know, what he's done all year. The last three, how can you step in front of him, what he's done in the last three games? He's gone six innings each of the, game, each of the uh, starts. And, again, that's something that it's the new, you know, it, it's what we do. It's the cookie-cutter manager where we let our starter go f- five, six innings max, and then you turn it over to the, the seventh-inning guy, the setup guy in the eighth, and then the closer in the ninth. Frustrates me. Mm-hmm. Here's a guy that's given up one run in his last three starts, he's had uh, 29 strikeouts to only three walks in those three outings, and they've only won one of those three starts. Yeah. can be frustrating. And, again, you handicap the pitcher, your starting pitcher, and then the bullpen can just That's why I like a lot of first, first five fives. Innings. First fives. All right. You got any first they? fives tonight? Uh there's a few I like. They didn't give any out to the clients tonight. I did give a couple plays tonight. One of the plays I gave tonight, I'm riding those red-hot Baltimore Orioles. Uh-oh, the O's. The O's are on. I on haven't had the guts to, to pull the trigger, Marco, but I, I hear you. The, the, they've won eight in a row. 
Cubs been terrible, and the Cubs are favored. The Cubs are favorite, and it's because again, it's the name association. It's it's the Cubs. Even when the Cubs are losing, it's still the Cubs. They get people to bet them. Baltimore eight wins in a row, and they're doing it with pitching. Mm-hmm. They've got surprisingly one of the best bullpens, you know, in baseball, getting it done right now. And this is a team. It's a young team. They're only, I think, they're what two and a half games out of the last wild card spot. Who would have ever thought that at this point of the right. season? And now you're going on the road. And I always talk about angles that I like. Certain things I talk about. I like fading teams the first game back home, especially if it was an opposite coast, you know, road trip. Uh, the Cubs are coming off that four game series against the Dodgers, but. They did have a day off, so that kind of negates the disadvantage there. But one of the other angles I like, TC, is if a team is on a winning streak and they go on the road, I like to take them in that first game of the road trip because they're all focused about keeping the streak alive. Right. And because this is a young club that wants to keep – I think this is a team that might ride them all week right into the All-Star break because you've got all that momentum going into the All-Star break – you would make a you know an exciting times for Baltimore to start the second half of the season, yeah. and I like I like the the matchup. Jordan Lyles, this is something where we talk about where people just look at numbers and look at the season numbers. You got to it's again I, I make references to pitchers like horses reading the racing form. They go in and out of form. Jordan Lyles pitching right now is not the Jordan Lyles we saw for the first. Two months of the season, he's pitching good baseball right now, and you know I'm going to ride him. He's got a 2.79 ERA, 0.98 WHIP over the last three games. Let's take the red hot O's against a Cubs team that's the lovable losers. The lovable at, at home at Wrigley Field. Holy cow! <laughs> and here's another thing too: they're one game below 500. You talk to me. I know that it's a big deal to them. It's a big deal. Let's get to 500 and then now climb over 500. So there's these little things that are talked about in clubhouses Mm -hmm. that a lot of people might not think about. And, you know, from a handicapping standpoint, you want to utilize. We're yeah. brothers from a different mother. I know. There's so many oh. angles that, that we use. Yes, yeah. that's a big motivational yeah. uh, angle mm-hmm. uh, to look at. In last week of the football, well, you can't do that anymore because the seven game seventeen game schedule. Right. But when you had a team sitting at 7 and 8 and it was the final week and they're out of the playoffs and, right. you know, hey, we got a chance to play spoiler. We got a chance to get to mm-hmm. 500. We're getting points. Those were – I love those kind mm-hmm. of angles. Angles. Who else are you looking at tonight? Anybody else? Yeah. Uh, we also used the Dodgers tonight. Um, again, a team going on the road that's on a hot streak. Uh, you're going into St. Louis is coming off. You know, a tough series. That was a big series for them. Now, granted, you know, you're going from one big series to another one with the Dodgers. Uh, but I like the, the matchup. And, and I know White is, you know, probably the weak link. Uh, obviously on this Dodger pitching staff, and he's probably only going to give you five innings at best. But I think with the day off yesterday and the fact that St. Louis had to play and it was a series where they did use you know a lot of key people in the bullpen, I think the Dodgers have a huge edge tonight, and I'm going to you know ride the winning streak. And remember, I say this all the time to people, and baseball is the one sport that it really is more dominant than any other. Don't step in front of streaks. People right. always say a team's due to lose. A team's due. Mm-hmm. You know what? 
when you do that, you're right. Eventually, they're going to lose a game, and you're going to win a bet. But you can lose unlimited number of bets before they lose. If you ride the winning streak, you're guaranteed one loser. But you can have multiple winners until you get that one loser. And I'm not stepping in front of a team that's playing well the way the Dodgers are now. Seven in a row. You know, right now, Cardinals um, won two in a row here. But a pitching change here in this game tonight. So this game was off the board for a little bit for a couple hours earlier today. There, Jordan Hicks is actually is going, going to, is going oh, to go now. for okay. uh, So they got uh, rid of uh, Libertore. So made an adjustment there. Dodgers about a dollar fifty-five favorite, all uh, right. But Hicks is getting uh, the start in there. But uh, I, and again, I like the teams like you said. You know, off day, whether they're home or on the road. Uh, and again, I'm not going to play the Astros against the Angels today. But same type of thing. They had off day. They relaxed yesterday down in Anaheim, and now they go against the Angels tonight. Syndergaard going against uh, Luis Garcia. So. Yeah, interesting. Uh, you want George Costanza tonight for the uh, Milwaukee Brewers? Uh, that'd be Jason Alexander going against uh, Josh Winder tonight. I actually have an opinion. Minnesota? I do have an opinion okay. on that game. I like the over in that game, and this is one of those ones where Jason Alexander, if you just look at his um, numbers, he's only got six starts. You look at the three road starts, and you see, whoa, 2.60 ERA. Guy's pitching well on the road. His whip in those three road starts, was 1.67. Now, was that a fluke? No, look at his season whip. His season whip is 1.68. This is a guy that those road starts, he got lucky. He got out of a lot of jams. He gets ripped. Yeah, Minnesota is hitting the lights out of the baseball right now, and the Minnesota pitching staff is giving up a ton of runs right now. They're scoring runs, giving up runs. Now, the only thing I hate about it, and I wish that both teams didn't have the day off yesterday because you got a chance to rest the bullpens with the day off. So that's the only thing that curtails me from going full bore on this. But the only way to play this game is split it up. Half a unit, first five over, full game uh, over. I think you're looking at uh, five for the first five and nine it was nine and a half but now we're seeing nines across the board Mm -hmm. i think this is an overplay all right and speaking of an overplay we may have that in texas tonight oakland and texas i saw a lot a lot of runs on the board with them and another pulp fiction reference auto the garbage man going tonight for texas there it is i love going against auto the garbage man oh there we go Minus 160 Texas tonight. What is the total of this game? This is this is this got to be an over, Marco. I uh, definitely wouldn't want to bet the under uh, <laughs> with it there. You're looking at an eight and a half. No, the problem is uh, Oakland until last night was a you know team that couldn't buy runs, but they right. got a little shot of adrenaline. If you looked at that homestand last, you know, whenever they finally announced that the A's were going to be staying. Yeah. Because they were, let's face it, that team had no life at all. No. They, no. they were they were like a lame duck coach. They were a lame duck team. Didn't know where they were going to be next, you know, next year. And they played well, you know, over the weekend. So uh, is it the wake-up call for them? You're coming off a high-scoring game last night. They played some shoddy defense last night, too. <laughs> they did. But, you know, again, you burn a lot of, you know, bullpen. And sometimes yeah. when you've got 
after a game like that last night, and it's why a lot of times when you see teams will go on that cluster of three, four, or five games in a row where they go over the number, it's because it's a snowball effect. Whenever you're giving up a ton of runs, you're using bullpen. You yeah. got to bring guys in. So then, what it forces the manager sometimes in making a decision, trying to squeeze that extra inning right. out of a starter because he's trying to protect his, his bullpen as well. And then you get some cheap runs. Marcos on the Yankees with a parlay with the Giants tonight and Logan Webb. I'm on the Yankees on the run line tonight. So let's uh, let's make it easy for me, okay? okay. Can, can can I can I get? 16 nothing again. Can I get one of those? That was sweet last <laughs> Tuesday. I, I, they don't come around like that that often. But uh, I know. You know when the big teams uh, lose a game, I, I like to look to bounce back with it. All right. I answered my own question. Of course, Numchuk is, is all over it. He's, he's all over it. He's got it. PNC Park, Marco. Coming up this summer, Billy Joel, Elton John. These are separate concerts. Metallica. At and, 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 and I know you want to go to this one, Marco. Uh, Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Poison, and Joan Jett. Get your tickets now, Marco D'Angelo. When do you want to? If you're going back to Heinz Field, it was just an okay stadium for that country stuff that you saw, that square dance rap thing that you got going there. Why not go to PNC Park and see Billy Joel or Elton John or Metallica? Or Mar- Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Poison, and Joe Jett. That's got your name written all over it. It does. Well, the Elton John, I, I took care of that this morning. I actually got my tickets for the Legion. They did. The Elton John, they went on. The pre-sale went on. Really? Today, yeah. What section? I'm on the floor, section B. Really? Yeah, on the field. That cost you a, a pretty penny? It's the wife's birthday present. <laughs> <laughs> Go Yankees and Giants tonight. Don't you look at it like that? It's like, I got to hit that. That covers the wife's ticket, right? That's it. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, happy wife, happy life. So that's why I was at a Kenny Chesney concert. <laughs> Start singing goodbye, Yellow Brick Road, my friend. There you go. <laughs> it's it's the farewell tour. I'm just wondering if it's going to be the same as the George Strait farewell tour that we've had like eight times right. since, since then at, at T-Mobile. Yeah, good. <laughs> My man, I appreciate you coming down today, braving the elements and coming down. There you uh, go. It's one of the things I had to scratch off my uh, bucket <laughs> list. <laughs> we'll get you back at the Cosmopolitan come football season. No or, problem. The go. other list thing on bucket list is to get back home alive. <laughs> My man, I'm sure I'm sure it'll happen. No problem. Get get Marco an escort, please. There it is. I appreciate everyone for joining us. Go check Marco out. Wagertalk.com. Subscribe to his plays. And uh, always great having him on the show with us just about every week. All right. I uh, want to thank Paul Buckpower Stewart for joining us first hour. If you miss any part of the show, go to the website at tcmartinshow.com. Check it all out there. Aces in action tonight. We got ourselves a party over at Slice at Mandalay Bay, the Mandalay Bay shop. Slice of Vegas. Aces watch party. That's happening as they take on the New York Liberty in just moments from now. So looking forward to being out there and uh, rubbing elbows with all the Aces fans and season ticket holders out there tonight. It's always a fun time for the watch parties. All right. For Marco TC saying so long and Numchuck, have yourself a good one. We reconvene tomorrow right here at 2.